This is Judy Matheson, British actress from Hammer Horror and lots of other things. And uh, I think you should listen to the wonderful Without Your Head. Without your head, we just did the live clickbait streaming. Now we're doing the Q and A. Everyone here is live. We'll be having a lot more people live, uh, hopefully. But right now, I'm Nasty Neil. We also who else do we have here? We have Amanda, who is uh, let's see here. I have the wrong name here. Colby Stewart. Do you go by Colby Stewart or Amanda Stewart? I go by Colby Stewart now, but my right, well, I'm sorry legal name is Amanda Colby right, Stewart. That's right. fine. <laughs> so, so Bailey, Bailey is here. Detective Frank Dobson, Seth Chatfield, who doesn't have a scarf. He does something around his neck. So I'm, uh, I have a purple thing. It's just not. It's not a scarf. What can I say? Right. Yes. We didn't have a scarf in the movie either. I guess. Fair. Yes. Jeremy Long with the writers, co-writer with Michael. Very, I've never met you before, so it's very cool to see you. Great to cyber meet you. Right. <laughs> we have composer here, Catherine Capozzi. Hey. Last name. Did I say it correctly? Uh, you did, if you were going to pronounce it in the Italian way, yeah. <laughs> Half Italian. So. Oh, there we go. You got yeah. it. Yeah. And it's good to see you again. I met you at a Boston Underground Film Festival. That's right, when we were all able to socialize with each other. Right. It was a while right. ago. It does last seem like year. another lifetime. Yep. Yep. And of course, the co directors, Michael Epstein and Sophia Cassiola. Hello. Hello. And we have like four more people who are supposed to be here. So I don't know if you're, uh, if you're out there, people, mm-hmm. join us. Yes. Sorry for the, for the poor intro, but I was trying to get everything upset, uh, up, uploaded here. But I think, we're, I think we're streaming now live. We're live. Yeah. So everyone here, how, how did you, uh, besides Michael Sophia, how did you guys get involved in the movie? I'll go first. I auditioned for it. I found the audition by myself on Actors Access, and I went in and I met them in a little casting studio in LA, and then I got a call back, and then from there they gave me the role. What interested you about about the uh, the movie, about the script? Um, I think I really liked the character of Bailey. I think that she was just a very interesting, dynamic person, and I think that the role seemed kind of challenging, even though was a little bit similar to me. I, don't, I hope I don't, I'm not as mean as her, but um, it just it was a challenging and fun role in my mind, and that's why I, want, I really wanted to do it. And I really like the message of the movie as well, especially mm-hmm. during our time right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how about you, Seth? I know you guys knew each other beforehand, worked together before. Um, I think this was the one where they had made it pretty clear that they weren't taking open solicitations, so of course I... <laughs> kind of made an open solicitation it was like you know I know this there's probably not anything for me on this but if it works out 
And I believe, and Mike can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe what was happening is that Mike was going to play Dobson. Is that right? And then um, was it the was it me with a mustache that turned the tide? I can't. I don't remember what it was. Or he just it was too much for him to I do. I thought you grew up just for the movie. You had I you had that going on. Time. Uh, what did you, did you have a beard before? And I told you you had to shave it into a mustache. Trying to. Yes, I've been trying. <laughs> clean shaven for so long because I, I just felt like I was relying on the facial prop in every film but I gotta say I mean you were totally right I can't imagine Dobson without that mustache it's yeah because like- Seth had a beard he stars in our previous film Blood of the Trivets which was the last film we shot in Boston before we moved to LA and Michael really wanted to play that role but it was such a big role that I was like I need you behind the scenes with me to make sure this movie happens at all um, so I squashed that and it was kind of written with Seth in mind a little bit. So like, it just made sense to bring him out to do it. Um, and for Amanda's role, we saw hundreds of people and picked Amanda from literally like 500 people. So we only did like 50 video auditions maybe, but then, yeah. you know, we whittled it down. What, but what was really, it about her? What was it like, Hey, she's right for the role. We got more than, we got more than 700 applications. Oh, wow. Uh, and then out of those, we asked for, I think, about 50, 50 video. Maybe. Yeah. And then we brought in maybe eight people to the stu- the casting studio. Um, Amanda, like, very intelligent, really got the role, great actor. So, like, it just made sense. Um, and there was really, like, we had a couple other people who were pretty good, but blew everybody else away. We also, we auditioned using um, the opening scene, I believe. Yeah, it was and- the opening scene and a vlogger scene. So to be able to do both, like, the ditzy vlogger and, like, a really serious crying scene was really important and other people got one and not the other and so um yeah it was yeah know, so well, it, it ended up being an easy choice after whittling it down <laughs> and then you know thank you for putting up with us because you didn't yeah. know us <laughs> was michael upset he didn't get to play frank or or were you relieved you didn't have to play in the uh, movie as well yeah, I mean, it would have been fun for sure, but I, but Seth is better yeah, than I am. So he is amazing. I, the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, it would, it was the right choice. I, I don't regret, the, I don't regret the choice, even though it would have been, um, it would have been fun to do. But yeah, for I think the movie, it's better that Seth did. Uh, but I'm very thankful because it's one of my favorite roles of my life. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then I got to, it, it, I wouldn't have been able to direct myself to say gaslight the fuck out of her. So <laughs> you know. You would never talk about that. Yeah. I just emailed, Ryan was saying he was having trouble getting in. I just messaged him. Uh, I don't know where Brandy is, but she's supposed to be here too, so. Yeah, I believe she said uh, she's getting uh, ready for the, for the. Uh, oh, ready. Zoom. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have big entrance. <laughs> anyway. I believe Ryan uh, is here. He's about to be here. Okay, yeah. Okay. Oh. But, uh, no, but, oh, there he is. There, there's Bye. the guy. Ryan. <laughs> What's up, bud? <laughs> I don't know if he knows we can see him yet. So. And he's crying, we see you. <laughs> we can see us. Oh. Hey. hey. He, he has the Detective Frank mustache going. He does. <laughs> I'm here. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello, Ryan. It's good to see you. So, Catherine, I know you have a history with Michael and Sophia. For, I guess people don't know <laughs> that. that. Oh, no way. That. It was... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a history. We go way back. We go way back. From, oh, gosh. Darling Pet Monkey, even before that, like just from the Boston music scene. And then and then one thing led to another and kept leading to other things and other things. And, you know, from bands turned into movies. And so 
there we are. So I'm, I'm totally psyched and absolutely thrilled to be able to work with them, even though we're, I guess, on different coasts right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, but having the, uh, the opportunity to work on all the films, because I love everything they do. I mean, I think Mike and Sophia are super genius creatives. So I'm happy to be you know, working with them. Text yeah. in the mail. <laughs> Was that hard, dude? Thank you. I didn't get the last one. <laughs> Was that hard to... I'm sorry. Was that hard to work uh, together across the uh, across the country? No. Well, I mean, I'll you say that. For this. <laughs> yeah, she's here. Oh well, I don't know. No, she's no. Hold on, hold on. I was, I was. He, I'm sorry, I got I was there, but uh-huh. but initially, when after when Michael first put the movie together, I'm going to talk with my hands because that's the Italian coming out. Um, he sent a list of like the Spotify list of like things that might be musically influenced, you know, for the movie and score and then some ideas. So we were going back and forth with uh, some ideas that never made it into the movie, but I was like trying ahead of time for some stuff. But then when I arrived in LA, I, what I think we had one meal and then I was handed a keyboard and that was it. So we were in lockdown. So. I think we pretty much worked nonstop week anyway yeah i didn't get to see the last hours i was there we got to go to the getty museum and i saw the uh the hollywood cemetery next time i come i want to go to disney oh shit wow <laughs> just prepare yeah. three like 10 years when it's open <laughs> yeah i know whatever when the virus is gone yeah yeah so uh I, you know i jeremy uh co-writer so how did that come about? Um, I have flies on my... Yeah, actually, uh, I'm glad Brandy just joined because she, she uh, found me originally, I forget how, um, and, and asked me to uh, write a script based off this idea that she had. And uh, so I kind of took it and ran with it. And, uh, and then when I was done, I didn't hear anything for like over a year until uh, Michael and Sophia reached out to me like uh, over a year later and, and uh, said that they were making a movie. want to introduce, we also have a Ryan James uh, Hilt with us, who is Chase. It's good to see you. Hello. 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 And Brandy Aguilar. What's up? It's good to see you. So, uh, well, we're asking everyone how they got involved. So, Brandy, how did you get involved? Um, you know, I actually met Jeremy um, because he put out a casting call for an audition, and um, we became fast friends. And I always had this idea in my head to – I'm not very much of, like, a, you know, a, a screenwriter. It's, I can screenwrite comedy skits, but screenplays, I'm screenplays. I'm not too trained in, and I saw that Jeremy had a lot of talent, and so I was like, Jeremy, I have this idea, put it on paper, and he did, and he did an excellent job, and then I met Michael um, and Sophia online, and they loved the script, and they did some rewrites, and it was a go, and it, it turned out beyond, I think, everyone's expectations. It turned out so freaking awesome. Yeah, everyone loved it in the uh, in the group watch tonight. That was a lot of fun. Glad everyone uh, joined in. Yes, yes. Turned now, out so good. Yeah, now, Ryan, you were also a favorite here in the uh, in the group watch. How did you get involved? Uh, so I actually filmed a uh, 
a movie with Michael um, a couple months beforehand, um, and we spent hours in rehearsal together. So I got to know Michael pretty well. We had a, a very uh, funny scene where I, I uh, bully him, basically, and uh, we had a great time filming that. And uh, he called me a couple weeks later and said, I got uh, a part for you in a movie, and the rest is history. Yeah. It's always fun to see Michael bullied, I think. I think Ryan's food strudel ad is the, is the best one in the whole movie. Yeah. Is it? Wasn't it the, the first one? Was uh, it? It's the, not the first like one. Like a baby song? That happened. I thought it was the first one that happened. I, I don't no, know. Ryan, was just, Ryan was just being his funny self, uh, kind of fucking around. We, one of the things, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, but the character Chase in the, in the script... Is kind of like a, a like a nerdy loser dude, and um, because like in a lot of movies when they cast women in like nerdy roles, it's always like a very attractive woman who you don't really believe is like nerdy at all, or you know like yeah. a, a loser. Throw glasses. Yeah, right. So we wanted to make sure to cast the chase role with somebody who you wouldn't think of as like like a standard kind of dork character. So Ryan Ryan came to mind for that. We were considering him for the other role, for Brayden uh, as well. And then we were like, you know, it's funnier, put him in that. And uh, I talked to him about it, and he was, he was game for it. And uh, he's, a, he's a funny guy. I mean, he's uh, a lot of, you know, you all know from working with him, but a lot of good, great, great uh, humor and personality. And so on set, he was just goofing around. And I think we, you, well, you saw it. I think we were setting up something in the basement to like shoot one of the car scenes. And I came up, and Ryan's just entertaining everybody with this Toot Strudel song. And I was like, all right, stop everything. We have to film this against this shitty white wall because <laughs> that's where it was happening. Because uh, it was so funny. And also, like, there's a deleted scene. In, uh, I think it's on the Streaker website, too, where, like, you were doing, like, a paper rose or something. And I also just, like, you were doing it. So I just tapped you and filmed it. Um, it was like, we always want to be, if it's an indie production, we're on our own time. So it's, like, if something funny is happening, just grab it. And then, it, you know, makes it the magic. I don't think I remember what this Rose video is. It's a deleted scene on the um, on the Blu-ray. I'm pretty positive, right? Oh, I, I don't think I've, I've like toilet I've paper, seen. and you're making a rose out of it. <laughs> oh, to... I remember my. Okay, now I remember. <laughs> if you go to streaker.com, I believe it's there. It is. There. Uh, it is. Yeah. It's on streaker.com. How many? We were, we were actually going to shoot a lot of a lot of the videos that ended up in the movie. Uh, we were we were shooting with the idea that they might just end up on the website on on Streaker, um, but what and what happened was that uh, they were funny and we wanted to put them in the movie. So yeah, we, so a lot of that was in the edit too. It's like you know we thought it was funny to keep building this the two strudels mystique, and so like later after principal shooting, we shot the infomercial and we just shot with Matt and just kept adding more and more two strudels jokes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you expect that to, to be such a big part and to take off? Like after the movie came out, people like it. And I have some Toot Strudels right here. <laughs> nice. Limited edition Toot Strudels. We made for one screening at the Boston Underground Film Festival. We kind of demanded it. And so like, we were like printing them at Kinko's and like slapping them on uh, off-brand Pop-Tarts. But um, I think because we all found it so funny, like initially it was literally just the box just to be in the kitchen, not featured at all, just as a product, you know, cause we're not going to use a real product. So 
that was it. It wasn't even supposed to be picked up or anything. It's just a prop. Um, and then like everybody had so much fun with that on set, so we just kept filming it. And then later in the edit, like I was saying, we added, kept adding more. We yeah. kind of knew we might use some of it, but we didn't know the degree to it. Certainly, when we showed up on location, it was just a prop. That's it. Like it wasn't talked about. It wasn't anything. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Um, I wrote down some. Oh, go on. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say one of the things we did actually, like we had scenes. So somebody's, uh, can everybody mute if you're not talking? Because there's somebody like really clipping bad over stuff. Um, one of the scenes we did, uh, we had scenes of characters that were being developed more, like the secondary characters. We had more uh, little development scenes that were then cut out of the movie. You know, we, we were using them only to show a little more personality for those characters. And um, we instead decided that it was funnier to use the Toot Strudels ads as the way of giving a little more insight. So like Ryan's character, he had another scene with uh, Pr Professor Vargas and there were other little like scenes that we ended up cutting um, and kind of replacing with the personality developments that we thought were shown in those Toot Strudels ads. We thought that was a better way to craft the movie. Yeah. You know, sometimes you look at the movie and you're like, what, what works, what doesn't work? How do we make this better? How do we shape it? And how do we keep it kind of streamlined? And so that was that was one of the techniques we used. Yeah. Now I wrote down some uh, things from the from the chat that people were saying, and uh, one of, a lot of people mentioned this. But uh, first was Joe Niebla. He said, uh, "I love how both characters are so annoying and still likable." You know, and that's uh, Bailey and Emma. And uh, you know, that's a big part of the movie. Is like you know, you think maybe they they don't even like each other, but that you. I think in a different movie, they wouldn't, you would like wonder why they're even friends, but it comes across that they, they do have a good friendship, even if uh, they can annoy each other. They do. They kind of they kind of feed off each other. And um, I, I love the scene where Bailey just, you see a side of Bailey where she takes this really seriously, and you just see a, that very vulnerable side of her. And, and we had I go ahead. No, no, I definitely agree. Like, I think it's, it's definitely funny to have, like, the high and low in the comedy situation of having, like, the character of Bailey, who seems, like, a little more, not, not maybe not intelligent, but just more, like, together, and Bailey, or, or Emma, who seems a little bit crazier, and I think, like, the contrast is really funny. <laughs> so, it was, it was fun to do this, this have, like, to work with someone that's completely different than your character. And I gotta say, me and I, like, I felt the on-screen chemistry every time we filmed. It was, it was immense for me. I, I really fed off her, and it, it, it was just amazing. Just, sometimes with other actors, you just don't have the on-screen chemistry, but I would say my on-screen chemistry, I felt with Amanda was right on. <laughs> yeah. Michael said in the chat that he made you guys do the, a lot of the dialogue, like, uh, many, many takes. Like, do you remember that? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, it got it, it definitely got frustrating for some scenes, but it it definitely paid out in the end, and everyone got what they wanted, and everyone was happy. So. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I think we had a lot of conversations in the beginning about the characters, um, and I know especially I, rem I remember like uh, uh, discussions about about Bailey in the beginning were really like we want to make sure this character is um, is liked because you, you as a viewer need to be able to watch this and like not just hate the character, right? I mean, if you can't relate to the character, if you can't find anything 
about the character to, to, to value, then it doesn't, the movie doesn't really work. So it's, it's a complicated line to walk when you have all these, I mean, all three leads are, have, let's say they have flaws. Like, I don't know <laughs> the way to put it, but, um, but I think, I mean, I, my sense is that, you know, they all kind of worked enough that you, there are aspects of them that you like enough or that you find worthwhile enough to go along for the ride with it. Um, and I hope, I hope that is true. And even, I know, uh, you know, Dobson is the, maybe the least likable character, but uh, <laughs> somebody in the, in the chat, uh, I think Deborah in the chat was talking about how she found his, his goofiness, you know, likable enough to, to go along for it. And then at the end, you kind of do feel, I mean, I, I hope that you kind of feel like there is some tragedy <laughs> in the ending, right? right? He's, he's an asshole, but like, does, does he deserve to be, have his heart ripped out? Probably not. Someone in the chat said that he, Seth somehow made a white douche seem likable. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> See, now, now, that, now you've been watching stuff, do you think about growing the mustache back? Where's Matt, by the way? We don't. Um, <laughs> I think it's perfect for the character. It's a lot of fun, but um, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm all right without it. I think Ryan's totally... Back to the stash. That's all right. Yeah, it's still working. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, when you mentioned earlier about Ryan's, uh, I think it's one of the later ones that you guys used for the toot strudel, that it was just something he was doing, and then Sophie Lake grabbed the, uh, the camera and started to record him. I don't think that there was one take that anyone was, like, hysterically laughing during that. Like, we were all, like, trying so hard not to laugh when Ryan was filming those. We were, like, <laughs> like, someone was making noise in the back because we were, we couldn't, we couldn't hold our laughter. It was so hard. Catherine, how about uh, to make, like, kind of the theme for, uh, for Seth's character? Like, the, what was the thought process there, I guess? I think we said something, um... Oh, wait, am I muted? No, I'm not muted. No, you're good. Uh, goofy. Something goofy and, um, you know, kind of like, because when he comes in, it's like, it's a short, it's a short entrance when he comes in. So it had to be, uh, you know, something like driving, but, you know, not, I guess, not too much. So I think, you know, that was kind of like, I guess the idea was just to kind of like make it funny, but driving like, kind of like frantic. Uh, are you talking about yeah. when he? Are you talking about when Seth when Seth when shows he, up? Yeah, when he first comes in. You're just right? talking about the, the first entrance. The yeah. first entrance, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the first oh, entrance. There he is. Oh. All right. Um. Anyway, that was like that. That was the idea behind that. Like, I think we sat, when we sat down to do it, it was like be be crazy, be like frantic, like kind of like all over the place, like a little pumping, you know. Steppy, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Disco, I think. <laughs> I believe Matt is with us, Matt Stewart. I think. Well, he's with us. I don't know if, he, uh, if we're with him, though. But <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Behold, he is with us. That's a camera, Whoa. not an audio guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Where's the sound? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I would say, uh, I did want to say, Matt, uh, I believe in the chat, he said that it was the first, his first time seeing, like, the finished cut I of the movie. I think I am. Can you hear me? Hello, there he is. Yeah. Good to see you again. I saw you in the Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yeah, we yeah. hear you. We can hear you. Good. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the party. 
<laughs> flawless, I believe. Here, this is this is a. Uh, the... <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, well was, uh, Matt said that it was uh, his first time seeing it uh, finished. Had any everyone had oh, anyone else uh, not seen right. it finished before? My audio was coming in super lagged, but now oh, I think it's working. Working. Okay, sweet. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope we're answering everyone's questions here. Uh, we, Matt, can you hear us? It's, uh, yeah, audio, not, not good. All right. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> now, any, now I can hear you, though. All right. So this was your first time seeing the movie finished? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's, I like it a lot better with the final music, which is amazing. <laughs> that's always good if you like it better when it's finished. Oh, yeah. I liked it better when it wasn't quite done. <laughs> when it wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> when it wasn't done. <laughs> yeah, they, the last thing I saw, like, all of those little, like, uh, two-strudel bits, I think, weren't even fully in there and stuff. Wow. How did you get involved? Was this the first movie you worked with, uh, Michael and Sophia? Yeah, this is the first thing I worked on with them, and it was the first thing I worked on in L.A. even. Uh, oh, wow. But, yeah, I met the two of them at a film fest in New York. Uh, we both had films up there and then we sort of just became friends. And then a few years later I moved out here and then, yeah, it was like, uh, I'd heard a little bit about the movie when it was about to happen, just at like screenings and stuff. Like Mike would sort of tell me about it and then uh, sort of jumped into it maybe like a week before, or like a couple days before. <laughs> I think Matt basically Am I muted? Matt basically was like, oh, you guys want me to come take photos or hang out and help out or whatever? And then I was like, yeah, yeah, do that. And then, like, the second day, you had your camera there and you were filming with us. So because of yeah. the way we were shooting it, it was very, like, uh, sitcom style for a lot of it, where it was just three cameras wide and, and side shots on everybody. So it made sense once we had Matt and, and uh, there to just keep shooting three cameras for a lot of it. So it was, like, unplanned in a way, but it worked out really well. Yeah. Bob Bob Rose said in the chat, uh, the wardrobe is pretty stellar. I didn't see if the costume person is on here, but uh, well done. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it was definitely a combo of like finding the stuff and then also people's own wardrobe that they brought that I would be like, yes, that works. Like a lot of Amanda's clothes was Amanda's clothes. Um, that princess dress I had to have like overnighted from like an Etsy sale. It made it just in time for the, for the Halloween party um so yeah it's fun i always do the costuming in our movies i find it really fun and uh i'm very uh picky about what's on screen so <laughs> so that goes right down to mustaches and costumes so yeah i saw brandy mention that she liked the uh, the wardrobes in the movie too when we were watching the movie yes i loved the purple dress that amanda wore when i first saw that dress i was like oh my god that is the cutest dress ever the color and everything and the cut, I was like, I would wear that. I would totally wear that. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are asking about Toot Strudel shirts, which I know you guys have for sale. Uh, and the tuba. A lot of people like the tuba during the Professor Vargas scene. Yes, so that would be that Catherine's decision. I think we said, well, I mean, because we wanted that to be a little goofy. And so it was like, how about tuba? I think Sophia was hesitant about that when we <laughs> first put it up. She was like, uh, tuba but then i think it grew on her so it got to stay but <laughs> when we score a lot of the times if, I, if we're working with Catherine, uh 
Catherine and I sit in a room and work through it, which is mostly like, to be honest, so I, so I don't over, oversell my role. Mostly I just say, do a cool thing, and then, and then she does. Um, so it's, it's, more, it's more her creation than mine. But um, for that, we, we often use references. So we'll, we'll say, like, what are we going for with the scene? Let's watch these other movies that have these kinds of things in them. And I, I think I mentioned in the chat, but for, for that specific role, I really love the Balkan skull music from Power Rangers. If anybody is familiar, it's like a... Like this weird little like uh, uh, theme that they have. The, the two like idiot characters from um, from Power Rangers. If, uh, I remember, I remember. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, so, <laughs> so we, we listened to that a bit and we're like, let's do a tuba thing that's kind of like has that feel of the, of the like idiot characters, you know, the, the bumbling, the kind of bumbling characters. And I will, I will say, uh, Chase was supposed to be kind of nerdy. But uh, Ryan added a lot of the, the bumbling, like in the classroom when he was, like, it, it, it killed us when Ryan tripping was getting up and tripping over the desk and, and all, that, all that stuff. That was all, like, really Ryan's contribution to it. And um, it really helped the character come alive, and that, and that really drove us to, to push the music. Yeah, that it's a pretty sweet, pretty sweet laugh, too. When Michael and Catherine are working on stuff, I'll, like, come through and be like, it's fine. Like, that's, like, my highest level of praise. <laughs> So that we know, oh my God, she likes it. She really likes it. It's fine. You know? <laughs> but the tuba is definitely like, I don't know, this is too far. But it did, I did come around. <laughs> I came around. Uh, well, how about the laugh? Where did, where did the laugh come from, Ryan? Um, so, yeah. honestly, it, it kind of came from like years of one of my favorite characters, honestly, being like uh, the Joker. So I've been like working on different laughs myself for like since I was a kid because I just love that character so much so it was just kind of just one of the many many laughs I worked on he said he wanted uh, uh, just a, a funny uh, unique laugh and uh, that's the one that I ended up kind of going on but it, it probably it just comes from years of just like loving the character yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was important Iconic. obviously because the laugh is like the whole mystery of the movie right the whole the whole uh clue the, the, that solves the movie is the laugh. Um, and so we, you know, we basically just said to Ryan, like, come up with a cool laugh. And then he brought it the first day and we we're like, awesome. That was it. You know, no, I don't think we had any guidance or anything. I think it was, it was just there. And a lot of people have asked me because the, uh, the, the, the clown thing, uh, the skeleton, the skeleton the Grim sorry, Reaper. the Grim Reaper thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, not a clown. The Grim Reaper thing laughs this, like the same way as he does. And they were like, oh, did he imitate the laugh of the thing? I'm like, no, we took his laugh and processed it and made it the laugh wow. of the Reaper. So, the, yeah, so Ryan basically is responsible for all the, all the laugh sounds. And when, when it's the Grim Reaper laughing, that's all there as well. Just process it. Very good. The creator of the laugh. The like creator it. of the laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Colby, how about the scene where you have to spit blood into, which is used a lot throughout the movie in reverse? And, uh, blood? Yeah. The blood actually tasted better than Toot's <laughs> <laughs> It's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Um, it was, that was like one of my favorite scenes to shoot. And I know that um, Michael was making sure that I was super comfortable the entire time that I was doing that because I was in the shower and, and such. Um, but it was so much fun. Like I, the blood part was so cool. It tasted like, um, like syrup, like sugar syrup. I made my mouth all red too, which kind of looked insane. But that was definitely one of my favorite things. And I also love that line where I say, um, "Why does it say doppelganger? That's dumb." <laughs> like I think it's so cool that I break like character out of what's going on, and 
don't know. It is one of my favorite scenes that I actually filmed on it. So it was really cool. Yeah. And it's cool that it's used. I like the, uh, the reverse shots it's used throughout the movie. Yeah. I like that it keeps going back and forth too. I thought that it was just going to be like only at one part. And then mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they were going to keep like using it again, which was mm-hmm. cool. So yeah, again, that's a lot, a lot of that's crafted in editing. So, I mean, we had, I think it was written in, it was written in at least twice, twice yeah. with the dialogue. But then, we, you know, as we're crafting and editing, you know, we're deciding like how that scene, how to make that scene work and what we want to do with it and what we're trying to accomplish and how to, I mean, to me, everything in the, in the movie has to drive the themes of it. And so to me, the main theme of the movie is how we're all basically complicit in uh, the, the way that media, the way we consume media drives how media is made. So if you have people seeking fame in, in ways that are not great, it's really driven by all of us as consumers supporting that. So what we really wanted to, to use that scene as a way of showing all the characters being complicit in the actions of the kind of murdering her in the shower and all that, all that stuff. And so uh, it just made sense to kind of add more and to do different crafts yeah. in different ways. So, yeah. And it goes with Brandy's dialogue near the end, which she says everyone loves, uh, loves Bailey and hates Bailey. Right. Uh, we got a few questions. Brian Avenant Bradley wants to know if the blood was uh, Dick Smith's formula for the blood. <laughs> it was just, uh, I forget what brand, but it's the brand that you can put in your mouth. But it is like corn syrup based. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also wants to know uh, Catherine to talk about, or Catherine and Sophia, I believe, talk about Night Kisses, its origins, and Sophia's singing. He loved it. And was okay. it recorded before the movie? Oh, wait. the Are you talking about the last? Is he talking about the last the song? The song, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I think we were, Michael was working on something and Sophie and I were going to do the, the end song while we, were, we sat down, tried to, you know, come up with something. Cause that there was one song, the perfect song that was at the end, you know, when you know, she's running for, you know, trying to save, um, do the end scene there. And uh, so when we sat down to try to do a song that was kind of similar, but you know, not not quite that tempo. <laughs> yeah we said in tempo and uh so then you know we just we came down i said we wrote it except there was one i will never forget there was one the guitar solo in that song there was an odd number of measures so i was like so michael kept saying you know no every time i did it a hundred times <laughs> and i was like i know i know how to play guitar but there's something not right here and he was like well you guys came up with that number of measures for this particular part it was probably yeah and I was like and I felt like it was okay at the time but I was like why can't I do I would play it all the way through and then it would get to like the last measure and it wouldn't fit and I was like I don't understand then Michael's like you know maybe you want an even number of measures and I was like okay maybe that might work and then it did and I was like all right then I I didn't feel like such an asshole who couldn't play guitar so then it was like okay it was good but anyway that that's kind of how that that song came I mean I love the song I think it's really fun and yeah. it's, you know. Cool. Yeah. I think um, Night Kisses is like the umbrella name of our collaborations on our soundtracks. So for all of our feature films that we've worked on with Catherine, it's done under Night Kisses. Um, though I do have a plan that I need to talk to Catherine about to like do other music under that name with Catherine. But anyway, for that Separate. movie, <laughs> I wrote the Hollywood song and uh, we wrote the end song specifically for the movie, but Michael snuck in a lot of our other bands. So, mm-hmm. yeah. like that Monkey, Do Not Forsake Me, My Darling, they're all like kind of in the soundtrack, like where we could not have to fully score something or a song worked better. So, I'm actually singing in the movie a lot, like in Matt's scene where he's eating Meredith's chest cavity. Like, that's just one of my old songs. Uh-huh. Um, but Night Kisses is our soundtrack band. 
And uh, so, yeah, just like we've been collaborating on music for so long that it's just. Forever since yeah. I was really young, actually. <laughs> I mentioned in the chat, I mean, I'll, I'll say very, very briefly. I mentioned in the chat for anybody who doesn't know how movies are often made. Uh, the end sequence to me, I mean, it's, it became my favorite part, but it's, re it's really important for the movie to work, for that end sequence to work, right? So uh, we decided to shoot it as a music video. You know, we, we, we basically, uh, you know, matched out of all that slow motion stuff. And um, so when I cut it, I cut it to this song by the artist Licky Lee called Sadness is a Blessing. And um, I love the song. We reached out, I think it's like Sony or, you know, somebody, we reached out. And they wouldn't even like have a conversation with us for I think about they wanted, like, no they wouldn't they wouldn't even talk about it. no they wouldn't even talk about it well, they, they were like we won't festival. they were like we won't give you yeah they won't give us a, a full deal on it. so yeah. <laughs> um, so we needed to come up with some other music for it so I had the movie cut with that song in it um, and we tried several aborted attempts to write a song that could replace it just wasn't it. our style yeah like what we wanted um, and so that night kisses song was one of the songs that we wrote. To, um, to, to replace that, but it ended up not really working. We ended up getting that hero song and then we could move that song into the credit. So that's the origin. Mm -hmm. It works in the credits. Yeah. 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 I, I know, you know, Matt said this was his first time seeing it with, uh, with the, with the completing stuff. Uh, yeah. Seth, what did you think when you first saw the, the movie and you know, your, your performance, you're there, but once you see it all in it together, what did you think? It was actually really, really an interesting process because there was a point where we sort of found out about the mass toot strudeling of the of the, which wasn't actually sort of. It, it kind of like it kind of like came in sort of halfway, and then there was more and more toot strudel content. I remember when we did the the killer toot strudel content. It was just like I thought it was just like a fun joke we were we were messing around with. Um, so there were a lot of things like I had, I kind of had, hadn't seen half of the film and didn't even know it. And uh, there were things like the fact that my murder was broad broadcast in Times Square and around the world. that I, just, <laughs> uh -huh. I had no idea. I'm just like, I mean, it was a completely, you know, some, some things you, you can see in your head and you're like, I know just what this is going to be. And sometimes it's that, and this was very different, but I couldn't have been, happier i was just like this is one of my the fa my favorite projects it's it's such a crazy awesome satire i love it yeah uh brandy and colby when i had you on the on the podcast uh, a few years ago I, I don't think you'd even seen the finished movie yet did you ever get a chance to see it with a with an audience you know, before uh, virtually here tonight um i saw it not with an audience but i saw it before yeah the, tonight yeah but you didn't, you didn't get to go to any of the festivals or anything? No, unfortunately not. I, I wasn't available to go to any of them. I really wanted to, though. They said they looked so much fun. And um, I watched it with my family. Um, they, they loved it. Um, I, I mentioned earlier during the watch party that um, my mom loved the part where Officer Dobson says, huh, were you in Nam? My mom laughed so hard at that. <laughs> And uh, the ending. Thanks, Brandy's mom. <laughs> I understand my mom watching tonight too uh, on her on her computer during the uh, Facebook. My live. mom's there too. <laughs> Hi, moms. Hi, moms. <laughs> Hello. 
I think that's like an eternal failure of us as directors is that we didn't have a proper cast screening because we kept putting it off. And I'm just going to admit, like, we fucked up because we kept putting it off because we had plans for an L.A. premiere that ended up falling through. And we wanted everybody to see it for the first time at a premiere with a big audience. And that seemed like the proper way to do it. And then it just fell through and it never happened. And the movie ended up coming out. So that's on us. We suck. Um, But this honestly was really special to me tonight to watch it with you all and be commenting. It's like, it's a thing that, you know, we missed the doing. This was awesome. You guys tried really hard. Don't come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, things were promised and fell through and we just, and then it, you know, we ended up getting distribution and it just, we ran out of time to do it. What Sophia's trying to say is that making movies is a shitty idea. (laughs) (laughs) I always hear this from Michael. It's a running theme, even though he somehow got me involved in making movies. And then he just keeps telling me it's a terrible idea. Just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, were you on set during, uh, during the filming of the movie? As a pickle. Oh, that's right. He's the pickle. Yeah. I'm the pickle. I was, uh, two, two different days, right? At least two. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, the classroom. Cause I, I I reached out to Michael and asked if I could be like an extra or something, and then he threw me a line. Uh, he said, "Come be," because we did the classroom scene first, and then he said I could come be in the Halloween party. And uh, I remember scrambling for the last minute to get that pickle costume. <laughs> and uh, and then I and I was really happy because that that was the same day that we shot the end sequence and I was happy that I got to be on set to see that. So that was, uh, that was, uh, two days I got to be on set. Mm-hmm. Is there any deep meaning to the pickle costume? Did it represent anything for you? Uh, it represents the fact that I had only a few hours to find a <laughs> costume before mm-hmm. driving to set and I borrowed it from a friend. There's a funny, uh, cause you guys improvise, like we, we had dialogue that was in your scene at the door there, but then you guys improvised a, a bit, including, Hey, did you see that poser carrot? There's a carrot. And that girl just showed up in the banana costume. We didn't know her. She was just no. an extra that showed up. And so we're like, well, now you have a line so you can be with the pickle. <laughs> but I, I just want to say uh, she was good. the carrot is Izzy Lee, who was our AD on those days. That's her husband, Steve, yeah, who was awesome. in the carrot costume. And he gets a kick out of the fact that you reference him in that scene. So, <laughs> so well done. Nice. Where was that party filmed? Was it like a real party going on? or? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was definitely not it was a lot of party. Parties were paid to be there. <laughs> there was pizza. Um, That's the only kind I go to. No, that was a, we, it was a casting call where we told people they had to come with costumes that weren't um, like commercial yeah. entity. Like they couldn't come as Captain America or whatever. And uh, so we had people send in their what they could bring and what they could be. And it was a combination of actual friends of ours and just random extras we never met before. And some of them were very annoying to Izzy. Uh, <laughs> and mostly like, Izzy was there to keep them away from us. <laughs> it was very stressful because I was saying in the chat, we had to shoot both the end sequence, all the torture with Bailey, um, the murder with Emma and that whole party all in like eight hours at this location in DTLA. It was a cool warehouse, had awesome views. So it worked out really well for both things, but we definitely should have split that into two days. Uh, it was just ended up being much more than we thought it would be. For, for anybody who hasn't gathered, we had very little money to make this we movie. We self-funded this movie on our credit um, card. So. And, and, uh, and we shot, you know, the, the whole movie was really, I think it was nine days of principal, really, it ended up being. I think we had 10 scheduled, but we managed to finish everything nine. And then we had some pickup stuff. You know, we shot some extra stuff. But, um, 
but yeah, everything is really, really tight and rushed. And so you're relying on everybody to just, you know, bring their best, which, you, which, you know, everybody here did. Yeah. So I, I, and luckily three cameras helped a lot, like I was saying before, especially, you know, some of that party scene, it was like three units filming that party, even though it was like a tiny space we were in, everybody was shooting something else uh, in parts of it. So it was definitely very crazy. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, this was the first movie you, uh, you were part of since you moved out there. Uh, what yes. was the whole experience like for you? Uh, I mean, it was a ton of fun because just as everyone was like great to work with, uh, I already loved Mike and Sophia. And it also, most of the filming location was super close to my apartment, which was really nice. Like I just, I think the first or second day I just like walked over to set because it was like a mile away or something. So that's always a plus. There's no, no travel time. Yeah. Well, that Airbnb was like a lucky find because I, uh, I mean, I found it on Airbnb. I saw those hedges. We drove by it and we realized we could light outside into the house and nobody would be the wiser. And it was right in central Hollywood. So it was just so great. And I messaged them. I was like, can we film there? And they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I think we paid them a little bit more than the listing price, but they're really awesome about it. Um, so that location was just so key and it made those stalking scenes so cool because like of coming around the hedges and stuff. So uh, it worked out really well for a lot of reasons, not just for Matt's commute. That <laughs> <laughs> was the main, Matt's commute was the main factor. Paul, our other cinematographer. Uh, yeah, I did. I did appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, who also shot it with us, lived close enough that he went home at lunch to walk his dogs. So everything was happy. <laughs> I still miss that play. I love that <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Brandy stayed there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Brandy, is it, it? Were you a pooper or a turd? <laughs> I was. I like to say poop. What? What? What was the line? A a or poop is a. I forgot the line. But um, the sorry, my Zoom got messed up. I think I pushed a button. Oh, sorry, everyone. All okay, right. here we go. I have a fly right. keeps landing on my camera and knocking it down. <laughs> I know, I saw you, I was like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> um, actually, the poop costume idea, that Halloween that year, I actually was a poop for Halloween. and so <laughs> I was so, too, actually, oddly enough. Yes, yeah. yes it was literally a <laughs> Halloween costume. And um, so that, so Sophia saw, because uh, I posted on Facebook, I'm going to be a shit for Halloween. <laughs> and she, she thought that was awesome. And I would, and so she put it in the movie and when I saw the costume, I was like, that is so freaking good. I wanted to keep the hat. It was done so well. <laughs> you can have it. I still have it. <laughs> Next time I see you, I'll give it to you. Um, but it was just so funny. It was funny because for, uh, you know, the, the uh, Bailey's character, you know, we just wanted her to be like kind of a generic princess thing. And we're like, well, what is a good contrast? And then we saw your Instagram, they were poop. And I was like, well, <laughs> if you went out in public as a poop, you probably won't care that you're a poop in the movie. And it was just so funny to us. <laughs> did not give a shit. Did not want to be at that party. So I'm always like, I'm just going to be a, a, a poop for Halloween. <laughs> but it, yeah, it really was. It solved, it really did solve a problem that we had with the script. We were working on that. We just, I mean, it was like some, it was like written in the script that it was going to be like some, stupid costume like we didn't know what it was and then we saw the, the instagram yeah. one of my friends uh, no, uh observed that every character is also an emoji <laughs> oh interesting yeah. Yeah. it is weird that poops have become cute 
Like you could go buy poop toys and stuff. To yeah, poop. Like faces. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an odd thing. But uh, how about the the opening scene with uh, with both Amanda and Brandy? How, was that hard to shoot? I uh, I uh, from understanding from the little chat there, it must have been pretty difficult. Yeah, it was. It was, it was. extremely hard to shoot. Was it the one? Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. Who's going? Me. <laughs> Yeah, the opening scene when Colby's in front and you're, and, you're, and you're behind talking. Do you want me to talk? Do I go first? Yeah, you go, yeah, you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, I had to keep my, I remember I had to keep my head in like one specific place the entire time. And I couldn't move because they were like, I think shooting on my, like super, like close up to my eye. And, and so I couldn't move. And I remember it being really difficult because I wanted to like interact with Randy. And like turn to her and talk to her, but like my natural reaction, it was just like, "What are you talking about?" But I couldn't. I had to stay there, so it was super hard for me to move. It was, it was, it was a weird. It was weird. It was weird for sure. We spot, shot that with a split diopter, which basically means there's two focus points, so we had to put them in their exact positions where they're both in focus. So that's why, like, I mean, Brandy was easier because she's just sitting on the couch, and kind of, there was more focus over there. But where Amanda was. She just had to be very still. And if you went to the left or the right, you'd be out of focus. So like, your, your spot was very exact. And because of the tears, we didn't want to do that many takes. I think we ended up doing a couple, but you had to cry for each of them. Yeah. So, you know, and then there was like a, something on the lens, I think, for like one of the ones we liked. And we had to go and shoot it at like another time, maybe when we had a good take because there was like, like smudge on the lens. It was just the way the lighting didn't, didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we shot it two separate days. Oh, yeah, I forgot we did uh, it another day. Yeah. Not, not used. Like one of them, not the, we did it once and we didn't, we just, because it's so important. I mean, it's the opening, yeah. it's the opening shot. It lasts, uh, it lasts like, you know, a minute and a half or something. Single shot. And um, to us, you know, we're, I know like the movie is like a goofy satire. Can, uh, somebody's still clicking, so can you just make sure mute mics if you're... Well, I can't uh, my air conditioner. I'm so sorry. Okay, oh, just okay. mute. Yeah, mute between. Yeah. Thanks. Um, it's, uh, it's an opening shot in the movie, so it establishes, to me, like when you start a movie, again, it's goofy satire movie, but we're still pretty serious about like trying to be filmmakers and use like the language of, of film to, to tell the story. And so it was really important to us that that opening shot establishes the relationship between the characters and the relationship the audience has with the characters. So we wanted um, basically Bailey to be looking, you know, right at the audience. So like, you know, you're, you're, you as a, an audience member are like being observed, like you're engaged in this thing. And we wanted her not really engaged with Emma on the couch, who's then studying and not really involved in it. Um, so that, just that visual, like, we, we wanted it to be as if you looked at one frame of that, you saw one frame of that, you could understand kind of something about their relationship. And, um, the crying is really important. I think, I think Matt actually said this and I appreciated it when I sent him the script, uh, to see if he wanted to be involved. I think that first line where, you know, it's like all the crying and everything seems sad. And then she says, uh, <laughs> that, um, it like establishes what the movie is. Like it's, it, it tells you the movie's not really what you expected from the opening opening part. Um, so anyway, it's very important to us. So we shot it. We we did a reshoot of it basically yeah. after the first time. We weren't. It was good. It wasn't like it was it wasn't good, but it just wasn't fully what we wanted. Mm-hmm. So we made them suffer, and they'll tell you lots of stories about suffering. They're very. Everybody's very polite uh, in public, so thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> I'll get the dirt off off the. Yeah, show. yeah. <laughs> Can ask them privately. Yeah. 
Uh, Matt, had you ever used a, I don't even know what it is, a split diopter before? Uh, actually, no, I think that was my first time. Uh, it honestly it might be my only time I've ever used one. I, I can't think I've ever used one for another shot, but, uh, yeah, sort of echoing Mike's statements, uh, <laughs> just like the whole setup for that. It was just crazy. Cause like everything had to be so exact and it was like a millimeter off from either of the actors or if like the camera's not perfectly positioned, it like ruins the whole shot, but it turned out great though. So it's worth, worth the, the pain. Yeah. yeah. It probably took us like a half hour at least to just shut up, set up that one shot. Uh, but yeah, it was worth it for sure. And poor, poor uh, number of tears. I feel, I feel so <laughs> feel bad about the number of, t- number of times you're like, okay, can you cry again? I think we were giving you like the menthol stick at one point. Maybe. But mostly it was real tough. Like, I don't know if I could keep crying. <laughs> I don't know how many times. <laughs> I think Sosie came through with like a menthol yeah, stick. Yeah, because after a while, it's like you can only cry so yeah, much. <laughs> oh, it was, it was emotionally dry. Also like not being able to move. It was like just trying to like get your emotions to go. It's hard like being so stiff. And then yeah. trying to cry. You had something you were listening to, like right before. Yeah, I was using. I was using like like this video that I like have used before that I like has always like made me emotional, and so it was easier for me to get into that space. But um, it was that was definitely super helpful for me. Now, Brandy, do you remember doing the scene? I do. Um, it was filmed at night, and I just remember that I had studied my lines like crazy before filming and then sometimes when I'm filming something it could be either film or even on stage when you actually perform it like sometimes my brain it's the weirdest thing my brain just shuts off and I think I remember specifically that day I filming a movie is so exhausting it's so much fun but it's also very physically exhausting so there were um, a few times and I remember specifically that opening scene I kept going over that scene over and over. Seth was helping me. And for the life of me, it just wasn't sticking in my brain. And I was, like, getting nervous. I was like, I went over this scene millions of times at home. Why is it not sticking in my head right now? What is wrong with me? I I think I was just tired for that day. And um, so Sophia came up with a good idea of taping the lines in the book since I don't really have to look up anyway for my scenes so I kind of cheated and yeah just put index cards of the of my lines in the book I was reading and read the lines from there yeah that was sometimes for me sometimes learning or not but like memorizing the lines sometimes is the hardest part for me but I came up with a good solution for that since then um I've realized I'm more of an auditory memorizer auditory learner and for clickbait I would just read the lines over and over but I downloaded an app now where you can hear the lines and I memorize it so much better. So I think um, it was that and it, like, you know, I was tired that day, that night. So, mm. but it was a good scene. It came out so good. Uh, amazing oh, yeah. I, how she did that tear. That, that probably was super, super rough to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was high stress though, because we were saying like the camera, we were stressed, we were stressed with all the crying. And so I think like our stress like made you stressed. And so like, it was definitely like, uh, you know, it was hard to get it perfect and it needed to be perfect for a minute and a half. So it was definitely like one of the harder things we shot. Yeah. Because the tears are, uh, you know, that you can only, it's basically like, wait for the tears. Oh, we got He's got a little thing where he coughs. It's okay. Aww. 
I'm glad he's made an appearance here. He's going to have to take cough suppressant soon, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm glad to finally meet him. Virtually. <laughs> he's, he's not happy to be here. No. <laughs> Oh my god, he's adorable. If we're not on the couch, he's angry with us, basically. So. <laughs> well, that's where we're anyway, at. sorry for distracting you with dogs. No, no, oh, we're no. all happy to see this. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what's your background in, uh, in, in acting? And uh, do you do uh, anything like uh, filmmaking-wise? Uh, so my background, I, uh, I came here from Chicago. I graduated from Columbia College, Chicago with a degree in theater. I uh, came out here uh, four years ago, and uh, this was actually one of the first uh, films I did. Um, since then, I've done uh, a couple films, but honestly, mostly uh, commercial work is what's been paying the bills uh, in, before coronavirus. But uh, uh, yeah, so I've just done a lot of that. And then I've also gotten a lot into uh, writing since then as well. So I've been uh, spending a lot of time writing, and uh, especially right now, there's no, uh, there's no acting Mm-hmm. in LA uh happening right now so uh it's been good to go out in other uh, creative outlets and uh writing's been a great one for me uh, as of late so I've been really enjoying that and uh just doing that thing especially right now in quarantine where what there's kind of, uh, what kind of stuff like what, what genre of writing uh right now I'm, I'm doing a, a pilot for a one-hour drama so uh it's having to do with a lot of uh like politically uh, driven, but it, it surrounds uh, basically um, a person who grows up to be a mass shooter and the victims of that person. So it's kind of like taking a different look at a, a really big problem in our country and trying to look at it from a different perspective, basically. So that's what I've been working on uh, a lot in the last year, basically. Oh, wow. Uh, Matt, in the chat room, you said that uh, you loved uh, shooting the first-person stuff. If you want to talk about that. That's true. Yeah, just in general, I kind of love to do handheld type of work, which most of that movie was not, obviously. Uh, but uh, whether it's like first-person or if it's just like – I just like feel to use the camera as a character sort of. So it's like, whether it's actually first person or it's just like moving with the actors in a way that like, you know, if the camera does not sort of move with the same energy that they have, it doesn't work. Uh, It's just kind of my favorite style. Um, I don't know, like just getting sort of more into action. It's also fun to uh, do stupid, uh, goofy hand gestures as I did many times in uh, that film. Yeah. Well, it's important for us to have a big difference between the stalking and then like the sit down three camera on the couch scenes. So we wanted them to be very different. So we didn't want like handheld throughout. It was like very specific, like a character, like you were saying. Um, and basically we're like, it's yellow, put on this glove and, and walk the camera. <laughs> yeah. so would someone mentioned in the chat that was, I knew you guys would be happy that they asked if it was uh, giallo inspired. I have so many giallo films I want to film. <laughs> I'm wearing my January giallo yeah. shirt. <laughs> I hate to admit, I've actually not watched many uh, giallo films and I don't know if Michael and well, I'm, I'm hanging up. <laughs> I'm hanging up in the meeting. <laughs> So, uh, Jeremy, like, how close was uh, what was filmed to, like, uh, your original script? Um, the characters, uh, a lot of the character stuff was there. Um, Michael changed a lot. The ending is completely different. I know that for sure. Him and I had discussions about that. 
Um, Michael, do you know? It's, it's yeah, I think the cops. I mean, I think the big, the big thing. Real cops came. It's very different. Yeah, the big thing was that. I mean, the big thing that attracted me to the, the script was like I thought. I think Jeremy did a great job making the two, especially the two main characters. There were some, you know, some others as well, but like really established the tone and the interactions between those two characters. So a lot of the scenes, uh, a lot of that was. Even if it's not the words, a lot of it is the words that were there, but even the parts that aren't the words that were there are really just extrapolations of what he had created with those two characters. So I think that was really important. And um, the whole torture scene at the end, believe it or not, the whole scene where they're interacting, but it's fake, is all, I think almost all stuff that, that Jeremy wrote. I think it's almost all what the original was. In the original script, it was actually the kidnapping is real. Basically, that's the big the big difference. So that, but all that interaction is really the same as what was in the in the script. I, I don't remember. You know, I have to sit down with it, with the, it's not it's not really important what the exact word changes are. But like I said, it's really more like the the important thing was that the characters, their personalities, the interactions between them were established in that original script. And then so you're building up, you're taking that world and you're building from it. You're like, okay, we have a world, we have characters in that world, and how do I like? add things to that. And so we do a lot of, you know, we always do a million rewrites uh, on everything. And I think, you know, even if you were to look at this, the shooting script and the final movie, there's pretty big difference between the shooting script and the final movie, just from, you know, what people on set brought in, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, every, everybody has an important role in, in what the movie ends up being. Like none of it would have, we never would have had this movie without every kind of stage along the way, if that makes sense. Is that, yeah. is that a good description of it? Yeah. Yeah, I um, because I wasn't on set too much either, just the two days I mentioned before, um, the first time I got to see it was at the world premiere at the Genre Blast Film Festival in West Virginia. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And, but I was going in mostly blind because I, I knew that Michael had made some changes and, and, uh, and without having been on set to see a lot of the, you know, to see a lot of the changes and see what was shot. Um, it was just, uh, I was, uh, it was like a, almost like a brand new experience when I saw it for the first time, but I really loved how it turned out. Yeah. Uh, how about filming that, the final scene, uh, Seth and, and Brandy and, and Colby? What, what was that? What was that day like? It was awesome. <laughs> it was so freaking cool. Um, the only thing I, there were two things I remember. Um, I think I stated it in the chat that we only had one chance to film that that shot, that whole scene. Um, mainly because I I don't think I had a, a another that polka dot shirt I was wearing. Um, I don't think I had another one to change into to redo the scene again. So we had to get it perfect in one take. Because if we didn't, then we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have the ending scene. Um, so the the pressure was on, but I think we we were just all up for it. And so um, we all gave it a thousand percent. There was no other way we could have done it. We had to mentally be in, you know, just that those emotions and get in touch with those emotions. So we went crazy as, as crazy as possible. And um, it was a great acting challenge for me, but it, it turned out so good. It was, uh, it was uh, really interesting. <laughs> Get that trying to get that all in one. There were a bunch of things like um, 
there was a moment where, you know, I, I had no experience with any camera at all. And there's a moment where I just had to grab the, the um, camera live and just walk it over and mount it perfectly and then finish this thing. And then, and then doing the, doing the, you remember that? That was pretty crazy. Oh yeah, because it wasn't mounted at all. I walked over to it after the take and I was just resting there. <laughs> That's my actual camera. Oh yeah. It was fine. We actually used some of that shot because I had set the focus for like, the scene and we did use that shot, yeah. so good job. So when it looks like the camera's being put down and it's shaking and stuff, that's real. That's real. A method actor, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. me was really like it was, Oh my God, just, I mean, we had one chance and I, I had one chance to spit blood through the Trump mask, <laughs> one chance to do it and, um, and it worked. I actually, um, and they, they, everything was done super safely and they had like this big pad for me to fall because I had to fall on my knees and, and, and um, I was just like, so in the moment I actually missed the thing, but you just <laughs> You just have to keep going. It's like it's like a concrete floor to the kneecaps. It's kind of rough, but you just got to keep going. And um, we kept going, and it was amazing. And then, and then of course, I'm I'm out of it for the part where um, Brandy is just completely, you know, going, you know, just completely going mad. And seeing that later, pretty <laughs> too. So you guys were good. I don't know. Yeah, it's an amazing scene. Uh, Colby, do you have any uh, memories of that scene? I just remember screaming a lot. That's all <laughs> yeah. I really remember. I remember screaming a lot. And I remember having, I had that um, extension cord around my waist. And I remember having to pretend to like unravel it, but actually I could just take it off in two seconds. Because <laughs> there was like a certain amount of time where she had to do her whole thing and I had to like come and grab her. Um, but yeah, I remember a lot of screaming. Lots and lots of screaming. <laughs> Such I think good. I said in the chat that I was scared that the police would come, but then I remember we're in downtown LA, so nobody that's no just. Cares. Like, <laughs> like basically above all the fashion, like yeah. clothing stores, like. Uh -huh. um, and then, like yeah. there's a part where it cuts to Ryan. I mentioned in the chat, but you're literally like tears are crying as Brandy is murdering Seth. <laughs> and it's like one of my favorite spots in the movie because it's like you just look so sad. <laughs> It looks so genuine, you know. <laughs> I, I kind of said in the chat too, but like a lot of times uh, people things aren't really intended to go in the movie. Or like, I didn't expect to cut to a shot of, of Ryan in that moment. And we didn't expect to have Matt do like an extra two-strudel thing. But uh, what happens is people like earn their spots, you know, like they do something that's special in the moment when they don't even think, like people don't even think they're on camera, but they really earn their spot in, you know, getting a little more focus. And I, and I mentioned this uh, in the chat as well, but like, one of my favorite things about editing a lot of the dialogue scenes was that uh, Colby would be like doing uh, eye things or little little gestures off, like kind of, you know, it was a fight between, uh, you know, Detective uh, Dobson and uh, Emma. And you see Bailey in the corner kind of reacting knowingly because she's aware of what's happening in, in, the, in reality. And um, really, I think like... Uh, those moments are really, uh, to me, make make a movie like so much better. And you, you know, and I really made sure to try to use as many of those as possible. And I think you don't notice them until you watch a couple of times. You start to see those little eye things and those little. It's it's a special contribution. It's a sort of a special acting contribution that that I think you know a lot, a lot of you all brought to this. Um, and I'll say also with that ending, since I've I've. I'm throwing compliments out. Uh, a lot of times with actors, you're like, okay, we need you to do something like really intense and crazy. And somebody will be like, yeah, woo. And you're like, okay, 
like 10 times as much. And I will say that with Brandy, we're like, we need you to go a little crazy there. And I, we were all like just scared. Of her. We were like, uh, I was like, maybe not that crazy, but it's no, good for the movie. Yeah, it's good for the movie. Yeah. yeah. I just, me, for my safety. <laughs> I was like, don't hurt Seth, please. Yeah, we Seth might die. And I mentioned it too in the, in the classroom scene where she faints into the body. You know, you, that's, a, that's the kind of thing where it's like people don't sell that. And you're like, you don't, I don't want you to slam your face into a thing too hard, but like you also have to sell it. You know, a lot of times people don't sell falls or punches or other things. And uh, so immediately the, fir- the first, I don't even think you were on camera, the first time we were shooting it, it was just like, boom, <laughs> right, into the, right into the body. And I'm like, all right, I guess we got it. So... So everybody, you know, everybody did their, their part to, to add little textural things or add little moments to the movie. So, you know, I, we appreciate that. That's, it makes us look better, basically. Looks like we did more work than we really did. I definitely thought I was going to die for real. Thank you for not actually killing <laughs> We're glad, glad that you're with us here. Yeah, we're glad you're still with us, Seth. We, we love you. <laughs> so that wasn't Seth's real entrails used in the movie. He's not filled with, like, uh, stuffed uh, insides and rubber. Yeah. Funny story. No. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm a big fan of the, of the fake innards and, and the big uh, rubber mouths. And, uh, cool. That's totally my sense yeah, of humor. Sometimes people so. complain, though, like, the effects are fake. It's like, yeah. like do you not? Really? Do you not, wow. Like, I didn't know. Did you, did you watch the movie? Do you know? <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Yeah. That mouse um, legitimately in the office. I'm just saying that was not the <laughs> same. It probably is. It's like the one you can just buy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a warehouse episode. I'm telling you, it's there. Yeah. We also, when we were buying the heart, there was like the option for the real human size heart and the one that's like three mm-hmm. times as big. And we were like, get the three times as big heart. Like, we're not yeah. going for realism. This is not a realism movie. This is, you know, it has a certain feeling to it. I mean, uh, honestly, that scene at the end, uh, I feel moved by the moment where, uh, you know, Emma is like taking the heart. We're like, you know, rub it, rub it on your face, like hug it, do all kinds of stuff. I really love it. And then, you know, Belly comes and like tackles her to try to like, I mean, it's way too late to save him. But, you you know, you have that moment where she's, I don't know. I feel like that it's like the scene, it's such a line. And we've seen lots of different reactions. Some people find the ending like really humorous in the sense of like, it's so over the top that you, you react with, with laughter. And some people do find it like more emotionally moving. And I, I, I'm fine with either reaction. Uh, you know, it's, it's a satire is a fine line. Now, Brainy, which is, uh, I don't know, the harder is the right que- uh, question, but which is harder for you to do, like the more uh, emotional scenes or the over-the-top uh, stuff like Killing Seth? Probably, <laughs> probably the emotional scenes. I think mainly because, my my personality in real life is very like animated and whimsical anyways so it's it's easier for me to tap into the over the top scenes um but, you know like screaming or just acting like you know psychotic um when it comes to emotional scenes i kind of have to uh tap into a different part of my brain and think of what i do is i i just think of things that have made me emotional in the past. There was one scene uh, where uh, I was telling Bailey that I, I forgot. I think it was where I was telling Bailey how much she means to me and that I don't want to lose her as a friend. Um, and I just thought, you know, of my close friends, how 
you know, I wouldn't want to lose them. So you just have to kind of relate it to a real life situation or a potential real life situation. And, uh, but you, at least for me, I use a different part of my brain for that. But if I have to go over the top or act psychotic, that's, that's for me, it's, it's easy. It's like second nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Catherine, I want to know which, which of the toots riddles would you try? <laughs> the eggplant one. Egg, no, I agree. I, uh, the yeah. eggplant it's, it's you got eggplant parm you stuff know, it in a, in a, in a uh, that's what i was thinking i don't right. know <laughs> i don't know why that's, that appeals to me but i think it that was the one that appealed to me too. yeah the italians the italians and <laughs> yeah, i, I I'm sorry but game. i my cat just made an appearance too <laughs> I oh, saw. <laughs> he's begging for food and he's not getting any more tonight <laughs> all right, all right, so. uh, ryan do you have a favorite toot strudel um, uh, I mean, I just love them all, you know, so much. I uh, wake up every morning and I have three. You know, <laughs> all right, all right. Because I can't make the, the, the can't choice. You know how you got the celery and you got the egg. The egg, eggplant is really sometimes really hits the right spot and you just can't get past it. And then all of a sudden celery comes back and you're like, wow, this really just blew my mind. <laughs> Matt, how do you have a favorite juice? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I did the toots turtle test as we were watching the film, uh-huh. and uh, nuclear celery, it seems, is my flavor of choice. Really? You just had the kind of a green tint to you, so... <laughs> I know, I just I just clicked over to the... Pa- <laughs> so, yeah, this is <laughs> nuclear celery, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, I think it gives my skin a good right. glow. Right, well, Apparently, Jeremy would be a eggplant, because he's got a little purple tint at the moment. But I'm, I'm wearing the eggplant one. Uh... But I have all three, but I think I'm most relatable to eggplant. <laughs> Why? It makes me think well, of the eggplant. Was the, the, the commercial uh, eggplant's wacky and... Oh. Neil's dead. This has never happened before. It's happened twice during this one interview. <laughs> Very unprofessional, Neil. <laughs> well, I think everyone knows that by now. <laughs> It's a ghost in your room. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Uh. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Brandy, do you have a favorite toot strudel? We'll go around for everybody here. All right. This um, is what people tune in for, a favorite toot strudel. It's all about the toot strudels. People watch the movie just for the toot strudels. Um, I would say watermelon. Got to go with watermelon. Oh, it's the first, first uh, watermelon we have here. Yes. I think that's like the most ordinary flavor of, uh, of like a snack out of the three. Delicious, yummy. <laughs> Colby, do you have do you have a, a favorite? I think I only ate the watermelon one, so I have so to. So that was that. not your. Fa- oh, I was just saying that's not your favorite. But I mean, I don't know. I had, I haven't had the other one, so I I guess I can only say the watermelon one. But I just didn't like them at all. So. <laughs> Seth. Well, I mean, I'm repping the celery today. Mm-hmm. You have the purple in the hair. Yeah, and it just feels it just feels right. So I think I'm celery all the way. All right. And uh, Michael and Sophia, I think I already know their answers. Oh shit! Um, I think by my own humor, I think the celery is more my humor. But I think I have to pick watermelon because that was the original that I designed, and that uh-huh. was the original prop on set was the watermelon. So that that's was a, I'm sorry, Nerd, that's a huge cat. It's like as big as Catherine. <laughs> it's bigger than King Ghidorah. Yeah, your cat, is, your cat is bigger than our dog. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I know. He's, he's kind of much smaller than I remember. No, nah, he's uh, 
He's a, he's a street cat from Waterbury, Connecticut. Aww. Where are the rest of your animals? That's like, I have to use my legs. Uh, to lift. <laughs> God. All right. Sorry. Uh, Aww. For anybody uh, interested in Toots Turtles, uh, other than pets, which I think are good, tootsturtles.com, you can take the quiz and find out which Toots Turtle you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, <sighs> oh, that's very cute. <laughs> you can read more about the history of Toots Turtles, uh, why they've been banned by the uh, <laughs> They've been banned? Yeah, oh. the FDA has put a stop on selling Toots Turtles temporarily, you know. All right. But, um... Yeah, no, Toots Turtles, it, it's interesting uh, how they became an important part of the movie. And I, I like the design for the atomic eggplant the best. Because I think the little eggplant with the, with the, uh, ha- like the radioactive hazmat suit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I don't know. Uh, dur- our, friend, our friend Brittany did a great job oh, at the yeah, Toots Turtles uh, infomercial. Um, we had worked with her in another movie called Hipster Ghost. And um, she just came to mind as the person who should be the the spokes the the Spokes-line. infomercial spokes model for Toots Turtles. Ryan has uh, the tiny. I'm sorry, uh, Ryan is the tiniest cat. We have like yeah. the largest cat, and then we have the smallest cat. <laughs> That's in the middle. Ryan, why do you have this kitten? Oh my God, this is so cute. <laughs> uh, so my uh, this is this is mine. My roommate's cat. Right when I moved in, got pregnant almost immediately. Had two kittens. So there's uh, there's another one in there, and this is my little guy here. But they don't even. We don't have even named them yet. They're not even like. They're fresh. They're very fresh. They're very fresh. So. They don't, have you thought about Toot Strudel? Toot and Strudel. How do you feel about Toot Strudel? <laughs> Maybe Frank I think, Dobson. I think it fits pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Detective Frank Dobson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Annabelle had mentioned in the chat that uh, that uh, Frank Dobson was the Michael Scott of policemen. That is the nicest thing anyone has ever said. I, I, all I can say, I mean, the office is kind of like my religion. So, thank you, thank you. And Brand, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Brandy mentioned that uh, the toughest uh, for her to uh, film was when uh, when Frank showed up, and I think it was because he had to move all around the uh, the room. Yes, yes, that was done in one take. It was supposed to appear. I think it was like supposed to be two different days, kind of. But um, I had to get out of frame and change my shirt to make it appear like it was um, two different days so that was challenging but it was so worth it when i saw it um you know when the full movie was finished it it looked it was awesome i was like that worked so well i love that scene so much it's just everyone everyone is so so on and it makes me so happy every time i see it yeah me too i love seth's facial expressions um, and, and the mustache, the porn stash, that is like, the, the porn stash needs like its own IMDb page because it is <laughs> the best thing ever. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree though. I, I, yeah, I they, think they can all, they can all talk about it, but we had to, for that scene, uh, it involved the underwear throwing, hitting her in the face. Yeah, throwing. I was going to say it was a good, I mentioned it was a good shot. It was, it was a like, challenging, which is a challenging thing to pull off. So underwear throwing, she ducks. The camera dollies across the room, stops at the door. Everybody quickly redecks the 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 whole room to be a different day. Uh, Brandy changes her outfit, 
uh, we pull the camera back out. Um, and you know, Seth appears. Seth appears. Oh, sorry, I have it a little, a little messed <laughs> up. But yeah, but there's two dollies and the, the change and a change of set, a full set deck change. So Tyler, our friend Tyler was uh, on the set deck. You know Tyler anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was pretty involved. I mean, I don't know if they they all they all suffered through it. It, was, so. it took a while. Yeah. It was, pretty much the minute one thing went wrong, we would just cut because like if the underwear was wrong or like you know set, yeah. something went wrong, it was like there's no point to finish it out because it's like a two minute scene together. I think there were 25 or 30 takes of oh that, but, but, you know, but we just need one that works. It's like you get the one that's right and it's done. Uh, but it took 25 or 30 tries. Just I mean, a lot of it's the camera moving. There's, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. It wasn't like they messed it up. It was just mm -hmm. like, if the thing doesn't land right, the camera doesn't move correctly. If, was, uh, you know. What was the reason to do it that way? Was it just, that's the way it would work? Uh, or was it a fun way? Because we like to... It is very fun to eat. Yeah, it was like going from their original vlog together. Like, this is my new roommate. You know, so it goes from the vlog in the past, like however many years they've been learning together, then to the the present of like their new issue and introducing Seth's character. So it just it just seemed like a fun camera idea to tell that story and to do that that switch out. Um, you know, like I think like throughout the script, we were looking for interesting ways to tell the story with the camera. So like the split after opening shot, that scene, the end music video, it's like we we're trying to come up with like different ways to shoot it. And so that was just one of like the specialty shots we wanted um, just to make it interesting. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's part, it's not just for fun too. It's just, it's a part of the storytelling. So we want to like show the contrast between what their relationship was then and now. And it's, like the best way to do that is if you don't even have a cut, you're seeing the physical space transform in the moment from like what it was then to what it, what it is now. And you're, you know, you're moving through the space with them and you're pulling out in the space to reveal, you know, the cop coming in and just running around like, like a maniac and, uh, and so, and so I, it's, it's, you know, it's fun, but it's also like a part of how the story is crafted. Like we're, we're using the visual language to tell the story. Mm -hmm. I know again, it's like a, it's a goofy comedy horror movie, but um, we do care a lot about filmmaking as much as we can in our in our with our limited budget and time um, to to you know present things in a way that is more meaningful. Yeah, <clears throat> Matt, do you remember filming that scene? Shooting that yeah, scene? oh yeah, I definitely remember. Uh, the, I feel like the additional sort of like stressful part of it too is just like in the middle where everything's being changed. It's even like we have to very carefully even like touching any like i can't remember if we just let it roll the whole time or if we like stopped yeah. and started back up yeah we did but like but yeah it was, it was even just like all right now until everything is set like do not touch the camera make sure everything's perfectly locked uh and then it, like pulling focus also is always just somewhat stressful and then even more so when it's like all of this prep has been done in between shots that then it's like oh shit if you fuck it up then it those last like 15 minutes just went to waste yeah but we're here in the chat brian uh and uh, trista say the dog is very cute getting its uh, belly rubbed at the moment he's just like in full chicken mode right yeah. now we call this chicken man because he lays on his back like a chicken for belly rubs uh -huh. like this his head is like hanging off the edge his arms are his arms are in chicken chicken yeah, mode he's, <laughs> he's a little man you know I love it. It also came up, people were asking about uh, editing uh, some of the scenes that are like dreamlike. Dreamlike? That's oh, yeah. I mean, 
you know, you go in, you shoot a bunch of source stuff, uh, so you know kind of like what you're working with. And then you sit down and you say, like, how am I going to piece this together to tell the story? And, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Colby talked earlier about the um, doing the shower scene, shooting that. How it was, and we talked a little bit how it was uh, really it was sped up. I think we talked here maybe in the chat. I don't know. We shot at a very high frame rate, so it looks like slow motion. But in order to make it have the dialogue work over that, uh, she had to talk really quickly. And the dialogue was like five times the speed. So it's barely even, you, you really can't even understand it. You just have to say the words like almost at an impossible time. speed. Yeah. Um, and so we took that, you know, those shots, and then we tried to craft around it how, uh, what, what the, again, what the visual language is, what the metaphor is with uh, the mask and with the other elements. Um, so, yeah, so I just sat down and, uh, you know, I, I edited the movie. So I guess that's, that's my responsibility and fault. And I just tried to figure out how I wanted to craft that scene to be something that I thought worked. And I love music videos. We've done a lot of music videos. So you probably see a lot of music video influence in everything we do, including the ending, which is obviously basically a music video. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we love surreal stuff. We love kind of art film. Again, goofy comedy horror movie, but we're like, let's have some art film elements in the middle. Let's have some, you know, breaking the fourth wall engagement with the camera. So like the camera is, we're in the dream world. Nothing has to be realistic in that space. We love the idea that they shared a dream world. We thought it was like really interesting to have them like basically, uh, they each fall asleep and have these dreams where they're interacting and they're having conversations and stuff. So it's really like a shared dream and it's a shared representation of the psyche of the movie. You know, it's a very, I, I, again, I'm sounding pretentious with all of this stuff, but it's a very like Hitchcocky kind of thing, or people mentioned the Palma, um, to use like the kind of not. I don't think it's even really scientific psychology, but it's all those the psychological theory, like the Freudian theory and other other things, to craft uh, the interactions in the world. So I thought we thought that it would be fun to do it in that space and that surreal moment to use these kind of like weird psychology elements to present the story. So anyway, that's that's kind of the approach. Does, does that make the movie a hard sell? Like when you're going to the festivals and distributor, like because it doesn't uh, to me, it doesn't matter. But does it like fit into like a Literally any particular genre? Like, cool, you have a Halloween party in the beginning. No, they like the <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like production value. No, but we did have some trouble because like when people go into something expecting like a slasher, they're like, "This isn't a slasher. I'm angry now," and like. So you get a lot of that, and we've gotten that with all of our movies because they're never quite what you think yeah. they're going to be, and I think that's a good thing. But you know, people get very stubborn about what their expectations were and then what they've been delivered rather than just having an experience. So certainly that's an issue. Sometimes the super horror gore fests were like, it's a silly comedy. We're not going to show this at our horror festival. Um, so generally, like the underground, like festivals with the word underground in them <laughs> tend to like us a little bit more because they're a little bit more open to the weirdness. Um, but you know, like those are our people. So it's just finding the weirdos yeah, yeah. for us. Those are the festivals I like. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody, I, at one of the fest, somebody said like, oh, this is kind of like a Paul Bartel movie. It's like a weird satire. Like he did, um, uh, my, uh, Eating Raul or something. Eating Raul. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was blanking on it. I mean, he did Death Race 2000, which is one of my favorite which movies. Is, but I, I love it too. Then all the sequels. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I think, I think somebody was really referencing Eating Raul that like, uh, you know, it has that the, the characters are like, they're, it, they feel kind of realistic enough to relate to, but they're definitely in their own little world. Um, and there's definitely a lot of like the dialogue comedy and the situational comedy tied, tied to that. 
Um, and I appreciate that. I think that's a great, I, I don't think we went in thinking like we're going to make a Paul Bartel movie, but like Paul Bartel, I love Mary Warnov. I love all those kind of people who are really basically doing the kind of performances that you see in this movie. But like you say, then you send that to a horror fest and they're just like, you know, Neil, you know, you have fights all the time. People are like, that's not a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, they get, they get like, mad and block me and over like the over. F- yeah. I, I said that uh, Predator is a horror movie. And right. like, no, it's a science yeah. fiction action. We don't movie. care. It can be. That's we really don't care. Like, we're just, we, we're not, we don't care what genre the movie is. We care right. about making a movie that we think is interesting and is going to entertain people and be thoughtful in some way. Um, but it did, you know, I think we went in thinking this would be like a kind of more, a little more mainstream than it turned out. Yeah, Michael kind of sold the screen. Like, <laughs> we have like, to do a mainstream film so it can be taken seriously by whoever. And then we, we fucked it And up. then like, you know, <laughs> we get in there and it's total insanity. But I think interesting, like, like for production design and, and for world building, this is our first movie that wasn't a period piece. And so, but all the same things apply that usually apply in my filmmaking, which is like building the world that exists. Like Streaker is in the world, two serials are in the world. So it's like, you know, it was easier in some ways to film because we could film real cars and, and you know, have it be in present day. But I still did all the world building I did in our previous vampire movie and our previous sci-fi films. So, um, so it's just like, you know, it's totally separate from what people, like if you watch like a more mainstream uh, social a media thriller that are out there it's just it's definitely its own thing <laughs> it's also shaped it does by, not exist in reality <laughs> it's shaped a lot by the performances too because like the way i always describe it is when you're when you're making like an indie film directing is basically like standing on the, at the front of a train that has gone off a cliff and pretending like you're you have any ability to steer it you're just like yeah i've got this we've got this it's all it's all you know it's totally under control and really like you're just you're just letting the thing happen well you're depending on the people that you brought on and you're trusting them to do a good job and everybody did right but you're you basically lean into whatever the strengths are that everybody has brought to the movie so you rather than fighting to say like this is the movie we intended we're going to fight against all of you to make that movie we're like, what can you bring? And then how can we embrace what you've brought to make the movie the best it, it can be? And, um, you know, I, I really, I do, I, I've said it, I, it sounds like I'm just like bullshitting people, but I really do think everybody brought things to the movie that we didn't know were going to be there, but that, you know, that made it better, made it, made it special. Um, can I ask everybody a question? Uh-oh. Neil, am I allowed of to? Of course, yeah. Can, yeah, I, can yeah. I interview? Yeah. I'm curious, uh, on this front, this is related to this, I'm curious from everybody what about how it turned out was similar to what you expected and what was different from being on set and being, being involved? Call on someone. <laughs> we'll start with Ryan. Uh, well, what was well, definitely different. I, I had no idea what was going to come with like the two strudel stuff and the extra stuff we shot. I didn't realize it was going to be such a large part of, of the film too. So when I saw that, that was like really, it was really exciting and cool. And um, something that I thought was going to turn out the way it did was uh, the blood coming out of the, the trail mask. Cause I was standing literally right off camera watching that. And that was amazing to see like in person and then for it to come out that well, like I love that scene. It was great. It was absolutely great. So those are my two there. Matt? Uh, I think for me, maybe 
the shower dream sequence stuff turned out sort of the most, like wasn't exactly how I thought it would be, but turned out similarly to what I had thought, just like doing all the slow motion and stuff. And I feel definitely the two strudel stuff. um, But I don't know, sort of the tone of that and like the tone of the ending was just a little bit different. And to me, I am one of the people that like thinks is really funny. So like, I, I don't know. I didn't originally realize like even that whole sequence leading up to it was like going to be that entertainingly funny. Brandy. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, I think when I read the script, um, there's a huge difference in reading a script and then actually seeing it on screen. Um, I, it it was just, gosh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't quite know how to describe it, but I think when you read a script, you have an idea in your head. And then when you actually act it out and see it on camera, it comes out, it, it just blows your expectations. And, um, it, it is as as good as it was on script. Once you see it on screen, it's like it, it just is out of this world. Um, it was it's it's pretty freaking awesome to see it from script to screen. Colby, I think I had honestly no idea this was going to be a comedy. Like I thought. <laughs> oh really? Interesting. Movie. <laughs> Like, I knew that there was, like, little jokes in between, but, like, I didn't know that it was going to be as comedic as it ended up, like, being. And I love it, obviously, but um, I definitely didn't know that. I definitely didn't know that there was going to be a lot of, like, satirical elements to it. Um, And then I think the thing that I was, I guess, expecting, the shower scene, I, like, I envisioned it like that, and then it came out to be that way, so that was, like, like the same thing that Matt said, it was also like very exciting to see because I definitely envisioned that when I first read the script. Um, other than that, though, everything kind of was like completely different. Like we, Michael gave us a lot of range to like play with things. Like it wasn't like exactly straight towards the script. Like we got to like kind of move things around a little bit, which was fun. Um, so yeah, I had a great time doing it. <laughs> Catherine. Um, I think originally when uh, I didn't get the script maybe originally, but I knew that Michael and Sophia were describing what the movie was. And uh, so when I first saw it, the first rough cuts that I saw, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, first of all, I thought it was awesome because you guys did an awesome job, everybody, in terms of like your acting and how you presented things. Uh, Brandy, you were like absolutely terrifying at the end. And um, Colby, at the end when you were screaming, I was like, oh my God, I've got to turn this down. It's killing me because it's so real. And Seth, you know, and and everybody, Ryan, everybody was awesome. So, uh, but originally when Michael and I were going back and forth with ideas, I think I had presented some ideas based on what we were talking about. And then, um, you know, when you see something that's, you know, final cut, I think, and we're both in the same room, it, things shifted a little bit. And I can see where there was that more, um, maybe less Goblin and Frizzy, more John Carpenter-ish, I think, as far as like, um, how things were starting, to, like, I felt like how we were putting things together and, you know, basing everything around a heartbeat, the breath, the stalking theme. But I also felt like 
some of it, there was, a, I don't know, one part of like the themes that we were coming up with, I thought was um, a little spy-ish. I don't know. Maybe that's that. I mean, if you put that together a little quicker, it could be a James Bond kind of like spy theme a little bit because it's a stalker mystery, um, that sort of thing. So, you know, that was my take. But in the end, I mean, you know, we're doing things like in in sections, some scenes over and over. So when I fo- saw the final movie, I was blown away by a how everything sounded. It really sounded amazing. I thought that all the little pieces that, you know, Michael had put together for just like, you know, the, the drips and the shower scene when there's blood coming down. It's like it really, um, um, I mean, I thought it came together really awesome. So a little bit different than maybe what I and envision, but I try to have a, a blank slate, you know, and try to work as best as I can with whatever they want and whatever they're describing. I try to put it down. So that's my five cents. <laughs> Jeremy. I, geez. I mean, so much of it was a new experience to me when I saw the movie, but I, I was, I was blown away by the performances mainly like when you're working on a script and in Michael's words, kind of creating this this world and these characters, which then him and Sophia then, you know, changed and added on to and made even better. Uh, you're just hoping that, you know, whoever's chosen, and since I wasn't part of that process and, and not on the set quite as often, you're just hoping that who is chosen for these roles just kind of, like, understand where you're coming from. And, and obviously there's room for improv and stuff, too, which they had... Uh, a lot of liberties with as well from what I'm from what I'm hearing during this Q&A but I was just blown away with uh, all the performances and just it, it was just there's parts where it exceeded my expectations from what I had when when I read the script and wrote the script to uh, being you know kind of like oh good they understood <laughs> what I had there and and, and I, I really I liked it so uh, that was really my favorite part. Seth? I mean, you know, I kind of touched on this a little bit before, but it was just like, and I actually Colby made a really good point about this too. It was, it was really surreal in a way. Like, you know, I flew out for, for the shoot and then I flew back to the East coast. So I also had this like, uh, and when we were shooting it much like Colby said, I had this impression of like, like my, my role is often to sort of, um, you know, chew up some scenery and offer like some comic relief or do like this sort of over the top character. So I was all about that. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to be like the sort of goofball character in this. And I had no idea that it was going to be like this completely satirical movie at first. It was sort of like, oh, I'm going to be like the goofy character in this otherwise, you know, pretty serious horror film um, with some dramatic elements, I think. And then came home and then sort of more and more of like the two strudel stuff. And I was like, this is going to be really this is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. And then seeing it was like a cathartic experience of like, I mean, to be honest, because you never know when, you, when you're working on something of like relief mixed with just like joy, because not only was I relieved, oh my God, it isn't like, I didn't like, you know, do something wrong or like it isn't this completely different thing than what I thought. It's actually like exactly the kind of film that I've always enjoyed my whole life. I mean, the kind of like screwball satire mixed genre Thing has always been my favorite thing so being able to sort of um be able to be part of that and not even really knowing that's what we were doing at the time it's just like a like the gift of gifts i don't know mm-hmm. it's 
it was so much fun and it's such a cool such a cool movie so oh, Mike, I was just going to ask, do you, have, do you have an answer to that, your own question? Like, yeah, how well, it was, no, I was, was, was going to respond maybe to everybody else's uh, statements, but um, the way I try to approach it, uh, especially because I'm doing the editing and I think the editor has a big role in, in crafting a movie normally. Um, and what I try to do as an editor, even though it's like, this is our, you know, we kind of did the pre-production, we did the production, now we're like looking at this final thing. I try to erase any expectations about what it is that we've made in production and try to look at what we've done and what we've created and then try as, the, as an editor, as sort of a, a, a third party kind of person to craft it into the best possible thing I can, to lean into the stuff that turned out the best, uh, de-emphasize the stuff that, I, that I'm, you know, didn't, I don't think turned out the best. Um, sell the strengths of everybody's performances the best I can, you know, and so on. So um, I do think, you know, we, we, we knew during production that we were shaping it in different ways, but even, you know, in the editing stage, I think it was, it was heavily shaped in, in post-production. Was heavily shaped. And um, I think a lot of the, co- the comedy stuff really came from what you all brought on set. You know, it was, it really, it's true that it really, I think we went in, it's always hard. You're balancing different tones. You're balancing different styles. And I think we went in thinking it would be a horror comedy and it ended up a little more like a comedy horror, but so it, so it is, you know, like hopefully that's that. I think that as the editor, as the post-production kind of side of things goes, uh, hopefully made the best movie out of what we made in production. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Did you ever reply to any uh, anything else that people said about uh, an answer to your question? No, I think that's all. I mean, you know, yeah. well, everybody, this, no, nobody said anything too uh, too offensive. No, all just, right. How about Sophia? Did, how how different did the movie come out than than you thought originally? I think, like, I mean, because I'm so close to it, and you know, there every second of the way. Um, it definitely got shaped a lot. And I think like, you know, like I was saying originally, Mike pitched it to me, like this is just gonna be like a very mainstream straight ahead horror. Um, and then like what it became through production and then editing um, is very different from that. And it's like something I like a lot more cause I like you, I love the stuff. I love Robocop. I love things with commercials. I love satire. Mm-hmm. So it, it turned into something like I appreciate a lot more, especially thematic, like adding the thematic stuff. Um, so like, so I'm pretty happy in the end, like carrying it through the whole, the whole way. Um, but just like, yeah, the initial germ of an idea of like when it was first pitched to me by, cause like Michael met up with Brandy without me. Cause I was like away or something, I think, or working or something. And so it was just like, it was just kind of brought to me as like, this is the thing we're doing. And this is like what it is versus what it became, which is like something I actually care about. <laughs> As opposed to like, I don't like mainstream straight ahead horror, but I was like, whatever, we'll make it, I don't care. But like, you know, it became something that like, I'm more proud of, I think. But you know, and like I said, you can really, I think it's really important because filmmakers, a lot of times you start with a vision and then you fight to see that vision through. And I think that's important, but there, there's a balance to that, that you have to make sure that you are making the best thing based on what is going on. Uh, and that doesn't always match the original vision. You know, you can't, you have to be flexible. And I think a lot of the performances change and everybody brought, you know, their, their little pieces. I think we, you know, as, as uh, Colby mentioned, we, we did allow, 
you know, there were questions about like, do we have to do the words exactly as in the script? And of course I, w- I was like, no, uh, you know, make it, make it the most authentic, best thing that kind of fits what that is. And I think, you know, everybody did bring, uh, bring something to that, made it better. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you weren't here tonight, where can you, where can people go and see uh, Clickbait? It's on all the major platforms, um, especially Amazon and Tubi. Uh, you can, uh, it's, well, yeah. the blue, there is the Blu-ray of it that was part of Horror Pack. I think they're selling a few, uh, right now I think they have a few copies available on their pop-up pack site, but it's not, pub- it's not like fully publicly out on Blu-ray. It, uh, Seth is showing you the Blu-ray. Yeah, here's the one copy. Huh? Um, it's coming out on DVD in a few weeks, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have, or next week maybe. I don't know that I have strong things to say about the DVD release. I would maybe not recommend that. But um, but if you go to our website, like our production company is called Launchover. So if you go to launchover.com, you can click on clickbait and it'll show you everywhere that you can stream it. It's just a big list. Um, but probably, yeah, like you were saying, like Amazon and TV are probably the easiest. Yeah. Uh, it's free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and it will, I think it's going to have a Blu-ray. I mean, th- these are all complicated discussions, uh, most of which you'll see the various disappointments on my face uh, regarding, but... <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> the, world, the world of film, I, I think I mentioned earlier that making movies is a terrible idea, but uh, probably the worst part about filmmaking right now is distribution, and... Um, Things just get worse and worse every day with that in terms of what is financially sensible or viable. Um, it's easy to get a movie out. Like, you can watch the movie on Amazon and Tubi. Um, so, there you go. Go watch it. Thanks. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> we get a dollar. Did anyone, since Michael had a question for everyone, does anyone have a question for Michael or anyone else here? Oh. They're going to be shy. You can air your grievances. Air your grievances. Right now. <laughs> question or comment. I can't, I can't, we're, we're all in quarantine, so I can't, I can't chase you down. I can't hunt you down. Were, were there any, um, did you shoot any Toot Strudel videos that for whatever reason, like, did you go like real weird with it with some stuff that didn't go in? Um, is, is there some cutting room floor that didn't even make the deleted scenes that's just amazing that we'll never see? That I guess that's my... I think everything we shot is is a deleted scene on the Blu-ray at least, and then I'll, and some other stuff is on the Streaker website. Um, but like one, like Mike was saying in the chat, like the Mrs. Wilson thing was initially like a hot dog, and it was just like too much. Like it's too gross and weird. And then we're like, well, why isn't it a, a two-strew? Like it was just yeah. it was a bad idea. It wasn't well thought out on our end, so we reshot it. But. Um, but I think the weirdest one is definitely Matt's, and we shot that much later. We just did not show up in our apartment. <laughs> and then he showed up to, like, candlelight. <laughs> um, People cannot handle it. <laughs> oh, they can't. It's yeah. hilarious. I mean, there, you know, there's always stuff that goes on the cutting room floor. Like, a lot of the scenes, uh, there's dialogue that was shortened. Oh, yeah, a lot of like, dialogue. Like, there's a lot of dialogue that was cut to streamline it. You know, you just try, again, as an editor, you're like, well, how do I make this better? How do I get rid of stuff? Like, what... And I, I, this will sound critical of acting, and it's not. Uh, there's always stuff that just doesn't play this the way that you thought it would play in the script. You're like, this is going to work great. And then you see the performances, and you're like, 
probably it just wasn't good in the first place. Right. Is usually that's the, the thing, like, with indie film, too, is, like, we didn't have rehearsals. We didn't, no. like, we read the script aloud to ourselves, but we didn't sit down with the actors and hear them say the words until we were on set. So it was, like, even while some of it was happening, I was, like, well, we're going to cut that. So that's yeah. finally in my brain. I was, like, uh, just keep going. You know, it's fine. So, but it was just, like, more that there wasn't time to, like, workshop it ahead of time. Um, and luckily everybody brought their A game to set and then gave us plenty to work with. Yeah. Um, that's always standard though. Standard, you can, yeah. Cutting dialogue is very standard. But like a lot of people practice for six months, you yeah. know, like before a shoot and we didn't have that luxury. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's nothing really all the deleted scenes are on the Blu-ray or on the streaker website. Uh, you know, there, a lot of the scenes have extended dialogue, but, but they were cut for the dialogue was cut because it made the movie worse. So it's not like, you know, Nothing. Nothing's Amazing. missing. You know. Yeah, nothing's missing that I think uh, anybody needs no, needs to see. Well, maybe <laughs> did we film the scene with Ryan and Professor Vargas? Yeah. was actually so that it's was on like the Blu-ray. Like a full scene that we yeah, it's, cut, a, it's on the Blu-ray. But there's not many full. It's scenes. A lot of deleted. Scenes, yeah. Yeah. There's a few things that are on the Blu-ray that are deleted scenes. Um, but yeah, they don't. They they don't make the movie better. There was a scene with with Ryan and Professor Vargas that was cut. There was a scene with Emma and Bailey talking about who the killer. We, we had some concerns. It, it's actually funny because we had some concerns about how much we had to worry about red herring misdirect stuff in the movie, even though that wasn't really the focus. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when, you, when you're making a movie, you're like, well, we've got to do all this stuff, but we don't, our heart's not really in it. And then you put it in the movie and you shoot it and you're like, yeah, this sucks because no, nobody's heart is in doing this thing. Like we just felt like we had to. And I think I, I will say, even at the time, this one scene that is cut, I think it might be on the Blu-ray. Um, I think a man, uh, 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 Colby even said, like, the scene is, is really bad. Like, I think you even said the scene was bad. And I'm like, it is bad. You're right. Um, <laughs> and we're going to shoot it anyway. And it'll probably get cut. And sure enough, it was cut. Like, you're, you know, it's, it's true. Um, but, that's, but that's fine. You know, that's okay. Like, we shot it I, on paper. It didn't really, wasn't great. In practice, it wasn't great. In the edit, it wasn't great. So you take it out of the movie, you know. You know, you, I think that is on the Blu-ray. You can you can see it, but you know, it's not the reason the movie's edited the way it is. We didn't we didn't have like studio execs demanding that we cut things out of the movie that we thought were great. Uh, if we cut it out of the movie, it's because we thought it was it made the movie worse. You know, we tried to make the best movie we could. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you first finished it, you sent it to me and we was asking me like if you if I could figure out who the killer was and all these questions and. Uh, it really didn't seem important when I watched it, but yeah. I understand why you were asking me. Yeah. Like, at what point is it clear to you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I sort of hope, I said in the chat, but I sort of hope that in terms of the twist, the idea is to make it like it's a mystery, but the answer to the mystery is so obvious that you <laughs> right. as a viewer are like, oh, this movie is so obvious that you figure it out and you don't even think about the fact that there's this like secondary piece to it. So we give you such an easy mystery to solve that you just think you're smart. And then you just haven't been paying attention enough to... Uh, so that's the goal. That's the structuring of it. Um, and I think that works for a lot of people. I mean, probably some people figure it out. Probably some people don't care. Uh, it's not important. To me, the, the point is not to solve the mystery. The point is to, like, have an experience with it. But, you know, a lot of people have said that they thought the twist was uh, a surprise and that the ending was a surprise. That, the you know, the, the fact that she runs in and kills him was a surprise. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm happy with that. That's all I got. I don't know. That's a good question, Seth. Anybody else have a question for Michael and Sophia or anyone else involved? <laughs> I think we're good. All right. Uh, they're, well, all like, they're all like, get out of here. Go away. 
Well, I had a great time. I've seen this movie many times, and I enjoyed every time. And it was very cool to uh, watch it with everybody in, in the Without Your Head group. But thanks, everyone, for doing it. Thanks for setting this up, Neil. It was a lot of fun for me. we're all sitting around like i mean i I don't know everybody doing nothing we're watching the mary tyler Moore show 24 hours a day oh my god i'm watching golden girls i'm watching golden girls with my mom when i go home to connecticut so she loves it we're basically pretty bummed right now so anything that brings a little bit of joy for for a few hours is awesome so thank you for (laughs) it's actually awesome we have not seen Many of the people who are who are here we have not seen since shooting the movie, believe it or not. Um, and so it's really, I know this doesn't really count as seeing, uh, but it's really nice to be in a, in a space. And I hope that when we're allowed to go outside again, that we um, can actually, maybe, maybe we can all, some of us can get together in real life. <laughs> Brandy and I were both in England at the same time, but we did not see each other. And I, I was so upset. I was like... Because transportation is kind of complicated in London, right. and, me uh, and my, it's my, very similar to the T in Boston. So I actually got used to it very quickly. But oh, <laughs> it really I, is. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, me and my and my um, friend that I went with, you know, because we kind of wanted to do two different things, but I, you know, didn't want to be alone in sure. a foreign country yeah, that I'm not. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Yeah. yeah, but I wanted to like hang out with you so bad, and I would. You were tagging yourself on Facebook and I'm like I like I want to go there where where in London is that but London is a huge city yeah yeah, um, yeah. we rented a place that said 15 minutes from the heart of London but I, I don't know how maybe by jet plane but no, an hour and a I, half I think maybe I the heart know. isn't in the center <laughs> the heart's like yeah right. I was like trying to like meet up with Neil and I'm just like I am not good with public transportation because here in LA I'm an LA native here in LA, everyone just drives their own car. We don't really have a great public transportation system. So, yeah, it was kind of like tough for us to find. I think they call it the tube in London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was cool in London, though. I miss it. Like, Mind the gap, as they say. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a great time. And I, I know you want to go back, but. So uh, let's see. Everyone can say like how you can follow them, you know, on online, not to your homes, unless you want people to follow you to your homes. I don't. Know. That's your own deal. I don't know. Seth, how, where can people follow you? Um, I try to keep it pretty, pretty like low key on Facebook, but you can find me on Instagram at Sethus McTree. It's uh, Seth U S McTree. Uh huh. Was well, there a story behind McTree? I I, 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 I kind of like it. I kind of like using the fake mix, whatever. <laughs> I started putting the putting like like making everything Scottish. I don't know why. I just thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I wish I had a better. <laughs> I wish I had a better thing. But I have a page. But I'll I'll probably accept you, and it'll be cool. So all right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I've been waiting years for you to accept me. <laughs> Jeremy, where can we, Jeremy? Where can people follow you? I'm still waiting for Seth to accept me. So. <laughs> um, I'm just my name, Jeremy yeah. Long. <laughs> All the platforms is just my name. And if you want to come to my house, if you can find it, you're welcome to. All right, fair enough. Yeah. And I didn't just mean Instagram. I'm just waiting for him to accept me as a human being. <laughs> I Ka- love you so much. <laughs> Catherine, where can people follow you? Well, you can follow me well, on Facebook, Catherine Capozzi. But there's two Catherine Capozzi's. One is family oh. page, which I okay. use only for immediate blood relatives yeah um but uh katherinecaposi.com and uh 
that leads to all the various things that I'm doing or trying to do now. But do not follow me to my house. That's a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. Uh, that's probably that's probably a good blanket statement for everyone. Yeah. Uh, Colby. Um, Instagram's the best for me, so it's at a dot Colby Stewart. Very good, Ryan. Uh, so under uh, anything, I'm just Ryan James Hill. Uh, you can find me on any uh, social media that way. Ryan James Hill. That's the way to go. <laughs> Matt. Uh, sort of the same, just basically my name, Matt Stewart's on all of the social medias and I rarely post, but occasionally I will post something. It's very important if you do. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Very good. Brandy. Yeah, I'm annoying. I'm on every, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I'm like the social media slut. I swear. (laughs) I'm, um, on fa- I have two Facebooks. One is my private Facebook for friends and family. And then I have my public Facebook, which is official Brandy Aguilar. I'm on TikTok <laughs> um, uh, as Brandy underscore Aguilar. Um, on Instagram, I'm Pixie Brandy. Brandy spelled with an I, by the way. <laughs> my parents wanted to be different. Uh, and um, I'm on YouTube under Weird Brandy. And I'm on Twitter. Um, just my regular name, Brandy Aguilar. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm on pretty much everything but Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find you on Friendster. Yes, Bebo, MySpace. <laughs> add, me, add me in your top eight on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I tried to log in, but I actually couldn't even figure out how to log in. It's still there, but I don't know how to log in. Yeah, I, I forgot my password. That was like all of high school for me. Good times, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was even an internet when I was in high school. So. No, yeah, yeah. I'm a yeah, very no, old I man. Started, I was a little kid, but yeah, it, it was fun. <laughs> uh, Michael and Sophia, where can people follow you? Uh, mainly uh, the, for the most important stuff, it's uh, King Ghidorah the dog on Instagram. I agree, though. It has become one of my favorites. Kept by, they were like, why are you posting more pictures of your dog? We didn't want uh-huh. to annoy, didn't want to annoy everybody, so we made a separate. It's an opt-in. It's an opt-in. Yeah. No, seriously, we're, we're uh, at our I'm like, I don't want to be annoyed. I just want to follow the dog. I don't... Yeah, well, that, right. They don't want to follow us. That's what I mean by being annoyed. They're like, we want to follow the dog, but not you guys. Um, no, we're, we're at uh, uh, Launchover is our company. So that's on all the social media and then under our names everywhere. Sophia Castiola, Michael J. Epstein. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty active on especially Facebook and Instagram a bit. And then uh, I guess I sometimes go to Twitter when I'm, Feeling, yeah. feeling like I want to suffer. <laughs> uh-huh. I have one question for Mike and Sylvia. What do you call? What is the name that you call your dog? Is it the full name? Does he know his name, or like, <laughs> what does he come to? That's an interesting question. He doesn't care. He does not care. His it's like Snoopy. Name, Snoopy. No. His adoption. I call. We have so many nicknames for him, but his adoption name was Ruber, and that was way too cute. And then we decided he looked like the monster from uh, Godzilla, <laughs> King Ghidorah. So he's a monster from Godzilla with three heads. Oh, we call him really whatever. Mostly I call him dummy. I call him lover (laughs) a lot, which really creeps Michael out. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, 
<laughs> all right, I just needed to know that because I was like, that's a long name for all the he dog. cares about. All that's he cares that's about a good question. Belly though, and treats. That's really all. That <laughs> right. That's yeah. <laughs> we, My cats too. All we, but all we do, he doesn't respond to calls. No, he, he doesn't respond to, to anything. He's eight years old. He doesn't give a shit. So uh, <laughs> at, right, I can relate. <laughs> Possibly as old as ten. Yeah, yeah somewhere between eight and ten. Okay. He's just like you got treats. <laughs> you're you're my person. You got treats. Yeah. You're my person. No, he's yeah. a, he's a sweet boy, and we uh, yeah we call him King Ghidorah. Okay, I love that video that you posted on Facebook of him sleeping, and his like eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened to us when we were this is the quarantine. quarantine. <laughs> we're like we're like, well, we wanted a dog, but we never had time to take care of a dog. Now we're not allowed to make movies for like a year, so let's just get a dog. It's just as good. It turns out it's better than making movies. So if you're ever thinking about making movies, just get a dog and skip, right. skip the movies altogether. This is the whole moral of this: is moral don't is, make movies and get a dog. Yeah, just get a get a cuddly old old man dog and hang out with him. All right. Well, I hope to meet the dog someday. I've met I've met both of you, and I hope to meet you guys again too. Not not that I don't want to do that. Well, the dog is better than us, honestly. So I, I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, we All can right. never leave the house again because he gets very angry. <laughs> so everybody's going to have to come to us. Yeah, very severe separation anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's it's over. Oh my God, I'll come. I can't wait to get on a plane and get out of here for a second. He's <laughs> probably got like, you know, five years or so to live, maybe maybe a little more. So if you want us to go out or do anything, you'll have to wait five plus years. He reminds me, I had a min pin for, for over 20 years. So Okay, well, then maybe, yeah. maybe 12 more years. Yeah. To live out. <laughs> All right. So either either way, we're stuck at home hanging out with him for the next twelve years. Then, yeah. right, fair enough. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I'm, I, I I say that not negatively. I, I'm, well, I hope so. Yeah. He's very he's very he's listening. He's right there. He does. He's a very sweet. <laughs> he's a very sweet pup. Like, yeah. All right. Well, it's been very fun. And thanks everyone for uh, doing this, thank and you. for everyone for watching. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for yeah, having. Thank us. you. Thank you all. Great to see everybody. Yeah, Bye, everybody. And I always what? feel guilty about this, but to save this, I have to hang up on everybody. So yeah. I'm gonna, basically, <laughs> I'm going to hang up on you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Smile.